Amen. What a joy it is to be here this evening. And I sure do thank the Lord for this wonderful opportunity. It's been such a special day. And I sure thank God for meeting with us. Thank the Lord uh, for the wonderful singing, Brother Benach's testimony, and just everything that's been said tonight. And it's such a blessing. And we have uh, some of our dear friends with us, our church members, and um, faithful as you've been. We're thankful for you being here. Like Preacher said, a lot of sickness going around. Uh, our dear friend back there from Israel, he's here with us tonight. And, it, and uh, we already recognize you, but it's so good to see you. And so... Uh, Served in the IDF defending the, uh, the country of Israel, the Israeli Defense Forces. So it's just a double honor and uh, so excited and honored for you to be here with us today. And um, then Miss, we also have Miss Wise with us tonight. And um, it's such an honor for you to be here as well. And anyway, if you have your Bibles uh, with you this evening, I would like you to turn to a passage of Scripture. We're not going to begin reading in... in We'll start reading in just a moment after we pray, but I want you to go ahead and turn over there uh, because I want you to turn to two places. Uh, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 12. I'd like you to turn to Genesis chapter 12, a very common passage of Scripture, been referred to many times today. And then also the book of Daniel chapter 3, the prophet Daniel chapter 3, and then the book of Genesis in chapter 12. We'll go to the Lord in prayer real quickly this evening. And ask God for His help. Genesis chapter 12 and Daniel chapter 3. And we'll be referencing a lot more uh, places in the Scripture as the evening goes along. And just take a few short minutes here with the Lord's help. Uh, But we're going to be looking through the Scriptures and, and speaking about the nation of Israel. The indestructible nation of Israel. And truly, they are indestructible. And you say, well, Brother Samuel, how do you know that? How do you know that they are indestructible? Well, against all odds, Israel is still a country today. A uh, country that literally, uh, within 24 hours of them declaring independence, May 14, 1948, seven Arab nations declared war on them. Amen. And, and it, the, their odds looked very slim. It looked like uh, there was going to be no hope. But yet Israel survived. And it's because the God of Israel is fighting for them. And so we can stand and uh, proudly and boldly proclaim tonight that Israel is an indestructible people. Now, that does not uh, give us a license to be lax about the subject and that's why we're having this meeting tonight. It's been mentioned we're standing with Israel and we support Israel and we believe America should continue doing so. But more important, one day Israel may completely, I mean, be standing all by itself and Bible prophecy tells us that that will happen one day. And one day America may, and much as would break my heart and the hearts of those here, one day America may turn her back on Israel, but the God of Israel will still be standing for Israel. He's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And referred to in our New Testament, the Apostle Paul said, we don't serve the God of the dead, we serve the God of the living. And see, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, no, they're not dead tonight. They're alive. They're with God because of their life of faith. And so this evening, God, the God of Abraham is still alive today. And Israel, the nation of Israel, and the people of Israel, 
are a living testament, a living testament that God is still alive and working in the day, that hour that we are living in. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll begin quickly looking here in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. Dear kind and most gracious Heavenly Father, it's such an honor, Lord, to be here this evening. Lord, I don't deserve this privilege, but Lord, I'm so very thankful for it. Lord, we're honored by the guest here. We're honored, dear Lord, by our Jewish friends that have uh, come this way. Lord, we're honored, dear God, just to have an opportunity to stand here and speak for the well-being of the Jewish people and speak for the nation of Israel. So, Lord, tonight, I ask you, dear God, to uh, guard my mouth. Help me, Lord, to be, Lord, a vessel unto your honor. Lord, sanctified and meet for your use and prepared unto every good work. Oh, God, I ask you this evening, Lord, help me, Lord, not to preach in my own wisdom, but please help me, Lord, to preach in the demonstration in the power, oh God, that only you can give. Lord, please help me tonight, and Lord, I pray that you'd give us a special blessing, Lord, for you promised, Lord, that you would, and Lord, we'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the honor, for Lord, you're so worthy of it. Lord, we're so thankful. Lord, that song a minute ago said, I'm reminded that God is good, and Lord, tonight I'm reminded about that. Lord, I do fail to thank you like I should, but Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you tonight for your goodness. Amen and amen. Genesis chapter 12, if you would like to stand in honor for the reading of the Word of God, we'll be reading three verses in this very familiar passage of Scripture, Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curses thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. You may be seated tonight. Brother Benoit just mentioned all the different blessings that the world has received as a result of the nation of Israel and the scientific advancements and the benefits that we have. And truly God has kept His promise here. He said, Thou shalt be a blessing. God's also kept His promise in the first part of verse 2. He said, I will make of thee a great a great nation. And no doubt Israel is a great nation. He said, I will bless thee. And oh, how he has done that. And he said, I will make thy name great. You cannot turn on national television in any country without the name of Israel being mentioned. Whether you hate them, whether you love them, whether you support them, or whether you don't, Israel, God has given his nation a great name. But in verse 3, we see a promise, a covenant that God has made with Abraham that transcends all dispensations, that transcends all uh, time periods, an ageless and timeless truth and promise that God makes to his friend Abraham. And God said in verse 3, I will bless them that bless thee. I will bless them that bless thee. And then he said, I will curse him 
that curseth thee. I will curse him that curseth thee. These cursings and blessings that accomplish and accompany uh, those that deal with the nation of Israel, God says that these blessings and cursings will happen in like manner. In like manner. He said, I will bless him that blesses thee and curse him that curse thee. God is saying that in the same way that you bless Israel, God's saying, I will bless. If it's a person, a family, or a nation, or a country, or, or a president, if you bless my people, I will bless you in that like manner. But the warning, oh, the warning. He said, and he said, I will curse, I will curse him that curseth thee. So for just a few short minutes this evening, we're going to go through the scriptures here, look through the prophets, and we're going to uh, take some time and study and preach on how God has kept the latter part of this promise very, very true through the ages. And we can see this in the scriptures. I believe, preacher, that probably uh, the first great example of the promise here where God said, I will curse him that curseth thee, is looking at at the nation of Egypt, the country of Egypt. Dear friend, thousands of years ago, Egypt was the superpower in the world. There was no country that was bigger than Egypt. There was no country that was better than Egypt. There was no country, dear friend, that had more wealth than Egypt had. But Egypt had a problem and they made a really big mistake. They decided, preacher, that they, that they needed to have some servants and some slaves to help build their empire. But they picked the wrong group of people to build their empire they just happened to pick God's chosen people and God didn't like it very much no he didn't now for 400 years the nation of Israel was in Egyptian bondage they were their taskmasters and according to the scriptures they had to serve with rigor Pharaoh was a wicked wicked man oh and how he hated God's people he was scared of them he was nervous that they would grow up and, and that they would overpower his people so he put them into hard toil and hard bondage and dear friend for 400 years for 400 years it seemed as if God had forgotten his people but God had not forgotten his people. God has a good record. Oh yes, the prophet Jeremiah asked the question. He said, will not the judge of the earth do right? And I can assure you on the authority of God's word, yes, the judge of the earth, God Almighty, will do right. And God was keeping good record of the way Israel was treating his people. As we look through the Jewish nation's history and the Jewish people's history, there's many times as you look through history and it seems like maybe, maybe God has forgotten His people and, and the nation of Israel does have unanswered questions today. But I can assure you this evening in the year 2018, God has not forgotten His people. Oh, He has not forgotten them. There may be times, dear friend, when we forget God but He doesn't forget us. There may have been times when Israel thought uh, that God had forgotten them but God has not forgotten Israel. And so in, in, in Exodus, uh, the second book of the Bible, uh, chapter 1 and verse 22, I'll read it. You don't have to take the time to turn there. But in Exodus 1 verse 22, we see Pharaoh is now coming to the height of his hatred for Israel. And he said, the Bible tells us, and Pharaoh charged all the people saying, every son that is born 
ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. Pharaoh at first tried to go to uh, the, uh, the, the Hebrew midwives, and he told them, he said, if you see it's a daughter being born, he said, just let it live. He said, but if it's a son being born, he said, I want you to kill it. But the midwives would not listen to Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh turns from trying to get the midwives to kill the Jewish firstborn, and he turns to his people, the Egyptians, and he tells his people, he commanded all the people, and he said, every son that is born, ye shall cast into the river. And so we jump forward 12 chapters. We are now at the 10th of plague. There's already been nine plagues has fallen out to the land of Egypt. Oh my God, dear friend, is not happy with Egypt. God's already sent the locusts. He's already sent the lice. He's already sent the frogs. He's turned Egypt's water into blood. He's uh, sent thick darkness. And Egypt, dear friend, is reeling under the judgment of God. And they don't know what to do. But old Pharaoh... His heart is still hard, still hard. And so now nine plagues and we come down to the tenth. And in Exodus chapter 12, this is the wonderful story of the Passover and how I wish I had time to take and, and preach and elaborate on that tonight. But God is speaking once again through Moses. And he said, I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt both man and beast and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment I am the Lord and we know the story how that God told them they had to take a spotless lamb had to shed its blood and how they had to put the blood on the doorpost and he said the blood shall be unto you for a token upon your houses and when I see the blood I will pass over you and the plague shall not touch you when I come when I smite the land of Egypt what about this Exodus chapter 12. Only 12 short chapters before this time. Old Pharaoh in his pride and his conceit. He said, I don't want there to be any more Jews in my country. Is what the terminology he would have used. He said, I want you to kill their firstborn. Kill their males. Kill their men children. Kill them off. I don't want them to be in my country. But just 12 chapters later, the angel of death is passing through the land of Egypt. And the Bible says every firstborn in the land of Egypt, God said, I will execute judgment against them. God is keeping His promise that He made in Genesis 12 verse 3. And I will curse him that curseth thee. You say, well, Brother Samuel, that was only one chapter outside of Genesis. And, and, and you know, that, that's in the early part of Israel's history. And, and surely, you know, that's, that's old stuff. That's something that, well, let's skip over a whole bunch of books and we're going to the prophet Daniel. We're now headed to the prophet Daniel in chapter 3. If you have your Bible, you can just flip over there real quick in Daniel chapter 3 and preachers been preaching through Daniel preached what a great message on Daniel this morning but we see how they're in a Babylonian captivity and the Bible says and we know the story of Shadrach Meshach and Abednego how uh, these three Hebrew young men how that they had been brought here against their will and now they're in a foreign country and the Bible says and we're already down here where Nebuchadnezzar has made the great golden idol and he wants everyone to bow 
and worship this idol. And Shadrach and Abednego and Meshach, the Bible says, they answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of the hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship thy golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. And from his visage, the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And therefore he spake and commanded that the heat of the furnace should be seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Oh, it's looking like a pretty dark and dismal day for those that are wanting to serve the one true God and not fall down to this idolatrous, wicked idol. And the Bible said, Then these men were bound, their coats and their hose and their hats and their other garments, and, and were cast into the midst of the burning fire. Therefore, in verse 22, Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste. And he spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. In verse 25, and we're still here in chapter 3 of the prophet Daniel. And he answered, This is the king, and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt and the form of the fourth is like the son of God Nebuchadnezzar saw something on that day according to the prophet Daniel and it scared him to death he saw he knew that they had cast three in there but God almighty God manifesting the flesh had come down and he got right in there beside Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and God in the flesh was walking with them and he was protecting them and the fire didn't burn them but what we see in the scriptures here tonight the men that carried these three Hebrew men up there to throw them into the fire the Bible said because the furnace was exceedingly hot and the king's commandment was urgent the flame of the fire slew those men Genesis 12 3 God's promise fulfilled once again I will bless them that bless thee and I will curse him that curses thee. In like manner, preacher, the same way that they tried to curse these Jewish young men, they ended up dying in the fire that they were trying to throw them into. Oh my, as we see the faithfulness of God. We don't have time tonight. We can look at old Haman, old wicked Haman. What do you think about him? I mean, man, he built that gallows and he wanted to hang Mordecai up there. He hated Mordecai because just like the three Hebrew children, Mordecai wouldn't bow to him either. He said, I'm going to bow to God. Oh, yes. And so Haman had this whole scheme planned out. But at the end of the day, old Haman... He's hanging on the same gallows that he wanted to hang Mordecai the Jew on. And God said, I will curse him that curseth thee. Oh yes, God, dear friend, is the same. He's the same yesterday. 
He's the same today. And He's the same forever. He said, I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. The reason why Israel is alive today is because the God of Israel has not changed. He has not changed. Oh, yes. We can look here for a good explanation. Jeremiah 31, verse 3. The Lord, and God is speaking through the prophet Jeremiah, talking about Israel. He said, The Lord hath appeared of old time unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 10. He said, For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall my covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that hath mercy on thee. God is speaking to Israel and He's saying, I've loved you with an everlasting love. With an everlasting love. Now we're not here uh, this evening and we're not uh, being critical of anyone else and, and, and any, any other denomination, but, but there are many so-called denominations that call themselves Christians and yet they have no love for the Jewish people or God's earthly chosen people, the nation of Israel. They don't have any love for them and they don't, have, they don't care about them and, and the United Methodists and then they just a couple weeks ago and they have been divesting from any company that does business with Israel and the list goes on and on and, and it's not just them, many others and we look back and we say well they call themselves Christians but what's going on here and I'm here to report to you this evening no, they're not Christians no, not at all not at all a true Bible believing Christian we're Baptists here tonight because not because we uh, love our doctrine we do believe we have the right doctrine, but we're Baptists because we love the Bible. We're Baptists because we believe the Bible. We're Baptists because we stand on the Word of God. All 66 books and through history there's always been an infinity. There's always been a confederacy, a dear friend between Baptists and the nation of Israel. Oh yes, during the Inquisition where many Baptists died, Jews died likewise and, and all the way through history the Baptists, Bible believers, Bible believers have loved and supported the Jewish people because God commands us to and we love God it's amazing how when God saves somebody's soul preacher how God not only puts a love for their heart in for the church but he puts a love in their heart for the Jewish people amen oh my well if I'm not careful I'm going to get off on a rabbit trail you said well, brother Samuel all that stuff is thousands and thousands of years ago it's so old it's so archaic and you have to be over here in the prophets in order to find these stories so brother Samuel uh, surely that's not for today. Surely God is not keeping His Word today. Oh, my friend, you would be mistaken to have that attitude and that mindset. Through history, Russia has never been a friend to the nation of Israel. They've never been a friend to the Jewish people all the way back into the 1800s. They would have what was called a program and they would gather Jewish people all into a town square and into a synagogue and, and kill them all. And Russia, the Russian nation has always had this underlying hatred going against Israel. But dear friend, in the 1950s after World War II, it was slowly coming to an end. Stalin came to his Politburo. It's kind of like our Senate would be here in the United States. He went there to his Politburo and preacher, this is what Stalin said. He told the entire Politburo, he said, I am going to take out and get rid of every Jew that is still alive in Russia today. That's his exact words of what Stalin said. 
He said, I'm going to take them out. He said, we're going to accuse seven Jewish doctors here in the capital city of poisoning some of the men in this very Politburo. He said, and as soon as the news breaks that, that these Jews have done this, he said, there's going to be riots in the streets and we're going to make sure that riots do happen indeed. He said, along with the riots, he said, we're going to to go in and we're going to act like we're saving these Jewish folks and we're going to put them on cattle cars and trains. And he said, we're going to ship them to Siberia. And he said, but we're going to make sure that half of them never make it. They're alive. And he said, the rest of them make it. He said, we'll starve them to death. This is Stalin. Stalin is looked at among many people as one of the great leaders of, of fighting of the enemy during World War II. But he had that underlying hatred for God's chosen people. And you may find this to be astonishing. You may find this to be unbelievable, but this can be verified in history. Within, dear friend, literally just within less than 24 short hours of Stalin proposing this to his Politburo, Stalin, preacher, lay flat on his back, dying of a massive stroke. His daughter testifies in a written book how that he died the most horrific death. She'd ever witnessed anyone dying as the stroke had pretty much paralyzed him and he literally gagged to death. And he's, he's laying there on his deathbed and he's dying. And the man who had just decided that he was going to destroy every Jew in Russia within 24 short hours, he is now dead on his deathbed. We don't have time. Yesterday was the National Holocaust Memorial Day. Oh, and how we mourn with the loss of the Jewish people during this time. Oh, what a sad time it is. Oh, what a heartbreaking time it is. Even though I was not raised in Judaism, my father's side of the family is. And, and we have uh, over 23 of our relatives perished in Auschwitz. And, and, and I have a connection to that. And what a horrible time it is in Israel's history. But I will remind you that God's word is still true his word is still true and preacher at the end of World War II as they begin to tally up all the dead all the millions that died in Russia the hundreds of thousands that died in America defending freedom as they begin to tally it all up they came to an astounding number that close to a little over six million Germans both civilian and military perished in World War II and that's such an amazing number because we know the rounded number is close to 6 million that perished. Jews perished during the Holocaust. God's precious chosen people during that time. But yet, 6 million Germans died as well. And dear friend, listen, Germany's never been the same. Oh yes, just like Egypt thought they once were the rulers of the world, Germany thought they would be. But dear friend, as a superpower, where are they today? Their country's in ruins. It's not, I don't have anything against Germans. If there's a German here, I'm not mad at them, not, not a one of them, but God's precious word, time after time. Like, like, like Brother Brian said a minute ago, we're not talking about something that happened thousands of years ago. We're talking about things that happened less than 60 and 70 years ago. And dear friend, as God still, even in Russia, God still honors His word. We can skip all the way to 2004. I hope I'm not boring you tonight. We all remember President. Uh, George Bush in 2004 he, was a, he had a lot of good things going for him and, and he, was, he was doing a lot of things and he was uh, trying to be a good president. There had been a horrible attack under his watch and, but he made a big problem. He had a big mistake and, and oh my how he lives to regret it today. 
But him and Errol Sharon, the prime minister of Israel at that time, began to talk about how they could have a lasting peace between the Arabs, between the Palestinians, between all these nations that hate Israel. And, and they really wanted to have this peace, preacher. They really did. They really wanted to have it. I'm, I'm old enough I can remember as this was taking place in 2004. And Errol Sharon, uh, he didn't really want this to happen, but if America puts pressure on Israel, then a lot of times Israel, dear friend, doesn't have any other choice and so they have to give in to the pressure they don't want to and Bush he put that pressure and he said I want you to give up the Gaza Strip I want you to pull back from the settlements and Bush told him he said if you don't do it I'm not going to support Israel anymore oh what a dangerous dangerous statement to make to God's chosen people. Well, Eric Sharon, he, he, he went along with it and, and, and they started to pull him out. These settlers, these families that had been living there for years and years and years. Oh, what a sad and heartbreaking time it was. But what's hard to believe, and many people don't even realize this, within 24 hours of that happening, Hurricane Katrina began to move over there. And dear friend, it came in the greatest force of a hurricane that's ever hit our great nation. And it hit there in Louisiana and it devastated the side of the country and what God was saying was if you make my people lose their land then I'm going to make something happen to the United States and make sure that their land feels the same pain that you have caused the nation of Israel. Oh my I'm not talking about politics tonight I'm talking about God's enduring everlasting promise to his people Oh, yes. What about that? Hurricane Katrina. And then they only had a couple months to get over that preacher, and then Rita came back around, and they thought it was going to hit Houston, Texas. We were down there at that time, and, and Hurricane Rita turned, and I mean just as quick as you can imagine, and it came right back up and followed the path, oh my, of Hurricane Katrina. And Rita and Katrina both hit right the same place there in Louisiana, and just total devastation, destruction. They're still trying to rebuild to this day as God, time after time after time, lets this world know, lets this country know that you better not mess with my nation, the nation of Israel. We see in Zechariah chapter 2 and verse 8, God said, for he that toucheth you, talking about Israel, he said, he that toucheth you, toucheth the apple of his eye. Oh my, that's serious business. The apple of the eyes, that retina, that most sensitive part in the human eye. And God is saying, whoso toucheth Israel. If you put your hand on Israel, if you put your mouth on Israel, if you, dear friend, if you, if you curse Israel, God said, whoso toucheth you, whoso toucheth Israel, toucheth the apple of mine eye. You want to get God's attention? Oh, you want to get God's attention? Well, that's one way to do it. I will curse him that curseth the Isaiah 49 verse 25 he said for I God is speaking about Israel he said for I will contend with him that contendeth with thee oh my what a solemn solemn morning that is from the word of God in the book of Zechariah since we're here in closing tonight in the book of Zechariah Zechariah is a prophetical book it's one of the greatest prophetical books one of the greatest prophetical prophets that we find here in the scriptures. 
All through this wonderful book, uh, the prophet Zechariah, he tells about what's, uh, deals with what's happening in Israel, deals with the current state of affairs in Israel, but then he also deals with Israel's future. He deals with what's going to happen in the future. We've proved uh, by the word of God, and then we prove tonight through uh, current events that God not only did stand and fight for Israel, but he does stand today and fight for Israel and, and all the wars that God's let them win. And, and we have uh, dear soldiers here today that can testify God's goodness as he defends Israel. And, and, and so we have all these things. We have past. We have present. We see how God has and, and is currently defending Israel. But you could ask the question and say, is God always going to defend Israel? Surely there's going to come a time when his love is going to run out. Surely there's going to come a time when he's not going to defend Israel anymore. Maybe will, will there come a time when they won't be his people anymore? Can they do something to where they won't be his people anymore? Well, the answer to that is an absolute and definite no. Absolute and definite no. And, and we know this because in the prophet Zechariah in chapter 12, we'll begin reading here in just a minute. Zechariah is prophesying and he's prophesying about a time that is to come in the future history of the nation of Israel. Now as we study Bible prophecy and we have some, I, I, I don't claim to be a, a scholar of Bible prophecy, we have some here uh, this evening that are no doubt Bible prophecy scholars and, and they're theologians and they study the word of God, but as we look through Bible prophecy, as we compare the book of Zechariah, as we compare the book of Daniel, that prophet, that great prophet of God, when we compare these books and then compare uh, the book of Revelation, the last book of the New Testament. It's amazing preacher how they just fit like a hand inside of a glove and, and you really can't understand one without understanding the other to really realize and understand and grasp Bible prophecy. But in here in Zechariah chapter 12, the prophet is talking about a future time that is going to come. A future time in Israel's history. At this point, dear friend, all the nations of the world, not just the Arab nations but all the nations of the world have now gathered themselves around Israel. They feel that at this point once and for all they will destroy God's chosen people from off the earth. The devil has always hated Israel because he hates God and so therefore he hates his people. They, 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 we look at that in the book of Revelation in chapter 12 how that the dragon was wroth with the woman a type of Israel. We see that through scriptures and that is what is taking place here in Zechariah in chapter 12. We'll begin reading and closing tonight here in verse 8. In that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And he that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David. And the house of David shall be his God and the angel of the Lord before them. And it shall come to pass in that day, God is speaking, that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And he said in verse 10, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the Spirit of grace 
and of supplication. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. And shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. And that day there shall be a great mourning in Jerusalem. And God goes on to tell us in these scriptures that the whole land of Israel and the whole nation of Israel and the people of God are going to be saved in one day as God delivers His chosen people at the final time. After this preacher, there's not Israel's not going to have any more wars. Israel's not going to have any more mad neighbors. Israel's not going to have any more people that are wanting to blow themselves up. Israel's not going to have any more people chanting death to Israel, death to Israel. It's not going to be anymore because at this moment, God is going to step down and God, not dear friend, the hand of God that we can read about as God delivers them in 1948 in the Six Day War, as God delivers them in the Yom Kippur War, not the hand of God delivering them, but God Himself is going to step down out of heaven and He's going to fight for Israel and God is going to destroy their enemies and Israel is going to look upon their Messiah. What a wonderful day as Israel experiences physical salvation, spiritual salvation and His people, dear friend, will now live in peace for a thousand glorious years as God rules and reigns. Israel, dear friend, this evening has a bright future ahead of her because her God is still alive today. Israel, dear friend, has nothing to worry about from a military standpoint because the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of heaven and earth, Jehovah Jireh God manifest in the flesh the great I am is still fighting for Israel and defending His chosen people I'm glad that I don't serve the God of the dead. Preacher, if there's one thing God burned in my heart this evening, I'm glad I don't serve the God of the dead. I'm glad I don't have to pray, dear friend, to a stone. I'm glad I don't have to pray, dear friend, to an inanimate object. But I'm glad that I have a living God. He hears my prayer. He saves His people. He delivers Israel. And dear friend, He is alive and well. And He ever liveth, dear friend, this evening. What a wonderful assurance. Even as Christians here tonight, we can get a real blessing. If God will fight for Israel, then He's going to fight for us too. He's, if, we're, if we're following the Word of God, we have, dear friend, a wonderful, wonderful Savior this evening. Oh my. Preacher, if it's alright, I know we talked about this as the musicians are playing. If God has touched your heart this evening for Israel and the nation of Israel and the Jewish people, if God's touched your heart tonight, and you want to come around this altar and pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Oh, yes. It doesn't look very peaceful right now. Oh, it doesn't. But God gave us a command just like He gave us a command to bless them. He gave us a command to pray for them. He said, I will bless them. And then He said in Psalms 122.6, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that lovely, oh, that's such all-encompassing prayer to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Oh, it's such, dear friend, that prayer covers so many aspects of the dear nation of Israel today. As the pianos are playing and the organ is playing, preacher is coming ahead and if you want to come down tonight and just pray.
for the peace of this wonderful nation. God's nation. God's people. His people. God told us to pray for them. Why don't we end this altar? If you want to pray in your pew and sit in your pew and pray there, that's fine too. But I believe it would be a special thing as God sees us tonight gathering around an altar and asking God for peace in Jerusalem. God is the only one No military might, no political uh, dear friend reckoning. Nothing along those lines will bring peace. But God can bring peace. Thank you, preacher, for the opportunity tonight.